You may be seated. This is our final week in the letter from Paul to the church at Philippi. And last week we talked about how God invites us to be motivated by love and not by fear. We are called to follow the example of Jesus who modeled God's righteousness, extending love to all. And so as we wrap up this letter, we will consider what our life together looks like when we live out these themes of joy, of gratitude, of unity, of humble love, and of God's righteousness. From Paul's letter to the church at Philippi, chapter 4, verses 4 through 9, this is what Paul says to the church and to us. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of God for all people. One of my mentors recently told me that the gospel is personal, but it is not individual. It affects each one of us, but it's not only about each one of us. And that's a really good way to approach this morning's verses. Because so many times when we read the Bible and it says you, we think it's talking about us individually, especially if we spend time reading it alone, which is a good idea. But it's a weird thing about the English language that the word you can mean singular or plural, right? It can be talking about one of us or talking about all of us. And the only way you can tell is by context. So let me say once again that the context of these verses is plural. Paul is writing to a church. He's writing to the whole church. And these letters were read out loud to a gathered people just like we do here on Sunday morning. The original uh, expression of this letter is probably exactly what we heard. Someone stood up and read it to a gathered people. Which means that the question for us this morning is how do we live out these verses together? Not what do you do with them individually in your life, but what do we do with them corporately? Not as a business, but as a body. 
corporately. So rejoicing corporately, rejoicing together as a body, that makes decent sense to us, right? We do that when we share our joys, when we sing, we do that when we give. That's, that seems pretty straightforward. But then it gets a little bit more challenging. Because next, Paul says, let all y'all's gentleness be evident to everyone. All y'all's. That's the best description. So what does it look like when we are gentle? Well, I'll give you a hint. It doesn't mean we're weak. This word gentleness refers to doing the spirit of the law and not just the letter of the law. And it actually takes way more strength to do the spirit of the law. When we are gentle, when we do the spirit of the law, when we resist the temptation to be legalistic, we actually have to think way harder about what we do. We make strict rules for children because they can't think through the consequences. Right? That's why we do that. It's to keep them safe. But as a strong, healthy community, we can do more than blindly follow the rules. We can be gentle. We can embrace the spirit of the law. And this is challenging, friends, because when you embrace the spirit of the law, we're going to have to make room for more than one way of doing things. Because it's not the letter, it's the spirit. There can be lots of options for how to live out the spirit of the law. So as a community, we're called to be open. And this gentleness, this openness, the letter says, demonstrates that God is near to us. The next phrase is, don't all y'all be anxious about anything. So what does it look like when we as a community are not anxious? Everybody take a moment and imagine what it would feel like if we were not anxious about our budget and our giving. So we're thinking about us as a community. What would it feel like if we were not anxious about this gorgeous, challenging old building? What would it feel like if we were not anxious about attendance and church growth? This word anxious in Greek is funny because it it can mean something both negative and something positive. So when it's positive, this word in Greek, it means appropriately concerned. It means we have effectively distributed our concern, the right amount of attention paid to the right things. When it's negative, it means anxiety. It means inappropriately concerned. The wrong amount of attention on the wrong things. The force has a light side and a dark side, my friend. And Paul says that the way that we, as a community, 
stay appropriately concerned instead of anxious is through prayer. Right? Now, lest we think like, oh, wah, wah, Christian answer, you need to pray about it. What does it look like when we are not anxious because we are praying together? And it's the prayer, the kind of prayer that does this is prayer that is balanced between thanksgiving, that word Eucharisto, remember the word Eucharist, thanksgiving and supplication. Those are the two words that Paul gives us to describe this kind of prayer that we are called to as a community together. Prayer that is balanced in joys and concerns. That's why I do it that way on Sunday mornings. Instead of anxiety, we will have peace. And not like namby-pamby weak peace, but strong peace. A peace that surpasses understanding, the word says. And that word, understanding, means rationality. It often refers to our logic center in our brain. God promises us a peace that is out of proportion with our circumstances. It means that the peace will come before the situation changes. It means we will not be anxious about money before the giving actually increases. It means we will have peace about our future before we see a lot of new people coming in. The peace comes as we ground ourselves together in prayer that is full of gratitude for what we already have, which is so much, and also asks God for what we think we need. Now, I said this peace is strong because the phrase that Paul uses is that this peace will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That word guard is a military term. This peace protects us by surrounding us. It protects our hearts or our inner life and intentions. And it protects our minds or our thoughts and our plans. And if we are not going to be anxious, then what are we going to do? Because the best way to get our minds off of something negative is to put them on something positive, right? And so in these final verses, Paul gives us a huge list of things that we together are supposed to be thinking on, reckoning on, counting on, using as a foundation. So let's go through the list. Whatever is true, whatever is reality, whatever cannot be hidden, whatever we face in the sober light of day, but not with pessimism, because remember, we're not motivated by fear. And we are not anxious. We just need to know how things really stand, whatever is true. Some of you in the room have that gift, and we're grateful for it. You keep us grounded in reality. Whatever is noble, whatever is honorable, whatever has weight or gravitas in the world, whatever needs to be respected, whatever is right, this word, whatever is righteous, the word we talked about last week. Whatever is in line with God's plan for justice and equity and the flourishing of all of creation, whatever is right. 
whatever is pure, whatever is innocent, whatever is holy or undefiled, whatever is sacred, whatever is lovely, whatever our souls recognize and respond to as God's beauty in the world, whatever is worthy of our affection, whatever is admirable, whatever we all can speak well about, whatever has a good reputation, whatever is excellent, whatever is virtuous, whatever is gracious, whatever is in line with our values, and finally, whatever is praiseworthy, whatever is worthy of talking about. I think we get caught up on a lot of things that really aren't worthy of being talked about sometimes. These are the things we should be thinking about. These are the things we're taking into account and using as the foundation of our life together. And Paul says that when we make these things our regular habit, the God of peace will accompany us. So notice how these two sections end. The first section about anxiety, the second section about what we think on In the first section, we together keep our anxiety in balance through prayer, and the peace of God guards us. In the second section, we build our corporate life on these wonderful things, and the God of peace is known among us. The peace of God, the God of peace. Both of these things are present when we build our corporate life together. The God of peace is known among us. So, lovely. What does this mean for us? For the people of God gathered at Zion UCC in the summer of 2018, right here and right now. Well, I've been thinking about this for several weeks and trying to decide when and how I was going to talk to you all about it. Because it is clear to me that God is stirring something in this congregation. I know this because you all have told me that God is stirring things in you individually. Passion for serving those in need. Visions of growth. Deeper communion with Jesus. New understandings, new new ways of thinking about God. This is what is stirring in our congregation. And so I believe that it's time that we do something with all this good stuff. So here's what we're going to do. I want to invite anybody who is interested to be part of a team that talks about renewal. You don't have to be elected to this team. If you want to be part of it, you can be part of it. If you come and you don't like it, you can quit. If you don't come at the beginning and you want to come later, come on. I want everyone who has ideas of things we can do in worship or things we can do in service Everyone who wants to help usher in the next phase of our life at Zion to get together. That's distracting. We're going to start, when we get together, we're going to start by praying together about what God wants for us. We're going to manage our anxiety through our prayer. And then we're going to just start trying things. Let those of you who are anxious planners be okay, because I'm also an anxious planner, and I'm okay with this idea. 
This is an opportunity for creativity and generosity. If you have an idea, you're probably the one to lead it. We'll get you a few other people, I'll help you, but let's try it. If it takes money, you might be the one to give it. We're gonna be flexible, we're gonna experiment, and we're gonna evaluate. We're not gonna spend forever on discussion and planning. We're gonna get a good idea, we're gonna try something, we're gonna move quickly to action, we're gonna throw some stuff at the wall and see what sticks, and it's gonna be fine. If something doesn't work, we're gonna learn from it and we're gonna move on because we're motivated by love, which means we are not locked in what happened in the past. We are looking towards the future. This church has an amazing foundation, a beautiful history. We are grateful for that. We stand on it and we use it to move us forward into the future, not to keep us locked in what's been done in the past. We honor that past and we use it the way God wants us to, to move us forward, to do what we're called to do here and now. We have an amazing team of council people a lot of balance of gifts there. They're gonna to continue to provide leadership and we're gonna see what we can do with this. Now when I first came here, I've never told anybody this. So the offer had been extended mostly. It was before I came and preached the test sermon. The committee had extended an offer to come preach a test sermon and I just wasn't sure what I was gonna do. And so I came here, I think it was a Sunday afternoon, nobody was here, um, and I did a little Jericho walk. If you guys know that story from the Old Testament, where the army of God marches around, I wasn't trying to knock the building down. <laughs> I was just trying to get myself in a place where I could think and pray, and I tell you guys, I walked around this building more than seven times, praying and thinking. And when I accepted the call to come here, I spent some time looking up Bible verses that reference Zion. This is a very popular name for churches. And this name is used to refer symbolically to God's people and to Jerusalem. And especially to a future time for God's people when everything is as it should be. The word Zion is often used when the prophets are speaking of comfort and restoration. And there were two verses that stood out to me really strongly that I've been ruminating on since I came here, and I want to share them with you this morning. The first one is from Isaiah chapter 35, verses 3 and 4, and the heading is, When the redeemed people return to Zion. Here's the verse. Strengthen the feeble hands... Steady the weak knees. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear, your God will come. Listen to it again. Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the weak knees. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear, your God will come. Here's the second one. The second one's from Zephaniah chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Hear the word of the Lord for us today, friends. Do not fear, O Zion. Do not let your hands grow weak. The Lord, your God, is in your midst. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will renew you in his love. I believe that these are words that we can claim as our own this morning as we begin to think about the future of this church. Amen. Amen. 
as Brian comes back to the piano, I want to take a few minutes for us to reflect on what we've heard this morning. So you might want to put your feet flat on the floor. You might want to close your eyes to help you focus. Whatever you need to do. It is a foundational Christian belief that when we are baptized, we are each called into ministry in God's kingdom. By virtue of your baptism, whenever it was, you are called into ministry. So what is God calling you to this morning for the future of Zion? What do you feel stirring in your heart? Listen again to those verses. Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the weak knees. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong. Do not fear. Your God will come. Do not fear, O Zion. Do not let your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst already. God will rejoice over you with gladness. God will renew you in love. Now I'll say a closing prayer. God of new beginnings, lead us forward into what you have for us. Inspire us and give us courage. Amen.